Welcome to Big Ben and KWIN on NoFilter.net. Each week we broadcast live on NoFilter.net. But if you miss us, no worries. Click on Big Ben and KWIN at NoFilter.net. Click on our vault and you can watch us whenever you want. Video on demand. But if you consume your podcasts via Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and many, many more, download and subscribe, and you can check out Big Ben and K-Win every week. I'm K-Win, he's Big Ben, and we have Stephanie and Ellen from The Gist. You know The Gist. It's a woman-owned and operated sports media brand. Three friends from college, Queen's University in Canada, got together and formed The Gist. And now they have podcasts, newsletters, and sports content all over the world. We love the gist. I love the gist because I know very little bit about hockey, but I, I tune in and you guys give me just enough. So Stephanie and Alan, Re thank you for joining the show. You sold them a bit short. They were recently featured in Forbes magazine as well. Congratulations. Over 400,000 subscribers to the newsletter. It's amazing. Congratulations to you both. Yeah, and welcome. thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us on. I am digging this energy of the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Um, and big fans as well. Yeah, thanks. I always love when Canada gets mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk today about the women's final four and the men's final four. But before we get into that, we want to have a little fun. So when we bring a new guest on, we have this segment called Six Degrees of Big Ben and K-Win. They say everyone is less than six social connections away. So, Ellen, Steph, are you ready to figure out how you're connected to Big Ben and K-Win? <laughs> yes. Let's do it. All right. Well, our intern was hard at work and we couldn't find any mutual connections between the four of us. However, Wait, one, one second. I did find. I think Ellen used to work at Chubb insurance i did am i correct i actually used them for my homeowners insurance when i lived in new jersey so there we go there we go there you go there you go i've been in new jersey for training with chubb insurance so there there you go there you go but we did find some interesting information and some facts on you guys so the first one we're going to start with steph our understanding your go-to snack is popcorn with ketchup seasoning. My go-to snack, K-Win, is also popcorn, but with this cheesy seasoning. So I want you to I want you to let me and our listeners know what is it that makes ketchup seasoning so special. Oh, it brings me back to the movie theaters when I was a kid, they used to have it out for free where you could sprinkle it on your popcorn and then they started selling it in little packs. I don't know if you have ketchup seasoning in the States. I, I know I already said the Canada thing, but I think it is unique to, to up North. <laughs> I got to get some because you know, you have people that have like a dairy allergy. I'm like the opposite. I need dairy in every single meal that I eat and I love a cheesy seasoning. In fact, Big Ben knows I like popcorn so much. He bought me a popcorn maker for Christmas. <laughs> A Dash Popcorn, but that is not related to any of the Kardashians. It's a different brand. Dash Popcorn. We need them as our sponsor with ketchup seasoning. We could barter. <laughs> is that barter. the one where you do stovetop? Where you Ooh. cook it on the stovetop? No, I don't. This is just plug in, heats up the kernels, and it's just beautiful. Clean pop, no burnt kernels. It just makes it perfect every time. <laughs> so, Ellen, we understand you are a big Tom Brady fan. 
Mm-hmm. And this dates back to give us the impetus of this Tom Brady fandom, or when when did this come about? Back in elementary? Did we go back that far? Yes, I was really young, and you know what? I was actually a big Teddy Bruschi fan, and I liked him so much that then I enjoyed the New England Patriots. Bledsoe was the quarterback at the time when I was really getting into cheering for New England, and then I ultimately ended up loving Tom Brady because he came in and just in his rookie year and from then on out he was outstanding and so from there realized especially when he left to go to Tampa last year that I was actually a little bit more of a Brady fan I guess than the Patriots fan than uh that I thought in my late life um and was devastated when he initially retired but I'm so happy that he's now unretired all right, one thing there, Drew Bledsoe went to my alma mater. I love Drew Bledsoe as well. No way, um, very cool. Murrow School of Communications out at WSU. Second thing, I want you to compare and contrast these two. We'll call them legacies at this point. You have Coach K coaching in his last season at Duke, and then you have Tom Brady, who who knows if this is his last season. But give me a compare and contrast between the two. This is so hard. I don't know if you can actually do this. I mean, Coach K is 75 years old, and I feel like everyone... Tom Brady might play until he's 75. (laughs) You never know, right? You never know. With uh, the ageless wonder, we'll say, Tom versus time for another 30 years would be wild. But I do think with Coach K, at least from my vantage point, as much as you know, Duke certainly has its rivals and people who don't necessarily love Duke. It does seem at least at the young age of 75 that people do love Coach K and that is that he is beloved by a lot of people across the nation. Um, I can definitely say that as a Tom Brady fan, I've had to defend myself for the last you know, 15 years of my existence plus 15, 20 years of being a Tom Brady fan. And so I think um, just Coach K, at least seemingly being loved again, we're we're not as dialed in outside of March Madness and for like the last 10 years into Coach K because we are Canadian. They just haven't covered it as much. Um, but I would say it, at least it seems Coach K is more beloved and Tom Brady is more put up with. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. (laughs) Very fair statement. Okay, let's transition to the games this weekend. The women's uh, Final Four is in Minneapolis, and the men's is in New Orleans. Have either of you been to either of these cities? Yes, I've been to NOLA. Can we get a quick NOLA story from either of you? Or both? <laughs> Do we remember? I don't, I, I don't think many of my New Orleans stories are appropriate. Um, that uh, means you had I, a blast. Yeah, I had a great time. Uh, well, with one of my best girlfriends, Maria. Love the beignets. And I think that is all I can say about New Orleans. And the haunted tours. The haunted house tours were really fun. Or ghost tours around different areas within New Orleans. But otherwise... We'll keep that in my vaults. Um, Steph? <laughs> I can't say I've been to either, but I did watch a dating show on Netflix that was set in New Orleans, and it did look quite beautiful of a town. So <laughs> I did have to Google where exactly Minneapolis is in terms of what state. Um, so I, I will admit that I have not been to either. <laughs> okay. Very fair. Uh, quick true or false? Are you either of you Vince Vaughn fans? 
False. 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 Okay. The the actual question was <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Minneapolis. True or false? And judging oh. from that response. Uh, you know, I, I'll say true. Okay, when? Uh, I'll say true too. I'll say false, and, just to be contrary. Uh, I believe that's true. So, okay, when and Ellen. All right. Uh, poor segue, but okay, when you want to pick this up on the final four. Yes. So, we've got this segment on our show called Remember When. Because my last name is Wen, W-I-N-N. So it's a play on W-H-E-N. And it's how we take our listeners back in memory lane. So when I say remember when, you guys say remember when. Remember when? Remember when. Remember when. 2004. I was at the Final Four in New Orleans. And UConn was there playing Tennessee. It was Diana Taurasi's senior year. Let me set the stage. She won it all as a sophomore. She won it all as a junior. So they're going for the three-peat. And she arguably is, in my opinion, definitely the greatest UConn women's basketball player of all time. Maybe even the top five. I like Candace Partner as well, Sue Bird. So they beat Tennessee, and they win the national championship. What was so special about 2004? It was the same year that the UConn men's basketball team also won, and it was the first dual national championship men and women at the same year so my question to all three of you how many times do you think the yukon basketball program has had a dual men and women's championship in the same year is it only once is it twice or is it three times Oof. didn't kevin ollie win yeah, but was yeah. it during the same year? I mean, you can bank on that the women, the women have won 14 <laughs> times <laughs> or 11 times. They've won 11 times. So, you know, we can bank on them at least. I just don't know. I'm going to two. I'm going to two. Ben's going yeah, two to? Two seems nice. Yeah. Man, everyone got the answer right. It's two. <laughs> So in, in 2004, the men and women won. In 2011, the men won, but the women did not. So you have to go back to 2014. Shabazz Napier on the men and Brianna Stewart on the women led the way. And that was their dual national championship twice. Couldn't happen this year because the men's team, I picked them and they fell out in the first round, which wasn't good. <laughs> that, that first round was mayhem. Mayhem. But listening to your guys' show, I believe there was a gist NCAA bracket tournament. So I want to know, how are you guys looking coming into Final Four weekend? Bad. I, oh, I participated in the women's bracket only, and I listened to the, the experts, and I'm going with the South Carolina Gamecocks. So I'm still good in that books, but everything else kind of fell apart for me. Yeah, I'm I'm good with UConn and I am good um also with the Gamecocks, but I on the men's side tra trash after the first round. As I I'm thinking maybe you guys were too, unless you were some of the lucky few. Were you a Calipari believer? What what happened? What specifically blew up your bracket? 
I don't even know what it was like. It was just after the first round. It might as well. Have, I shouldn't have even entered a bracket. Like I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> all of my, all of my underdogs didn't make any upsets, and all of the folks who I thought, okay, this is a pretty safe bet, they were not safe bets. So it was, it was horrible. I actually just stopped paying attention to my bracket. I couldn't even tell you now because it's just out of my mind. Well, we preempted this this question a little bit, but I do want to get into the the and follow me here the the biggest rivalries in sports some would say college football it's ohio state and michigan Mm -hmm. then you have yankees versus red sox dodgers versus giants and baseball and then I, i there's a strong argument here that north carolina and duke is probably the biggest rivalry in all of sports and this is going to be the first time they actually play each other in the tournament rubber match who do you like to win the game Before we answer that question, I do want to insert myself and say, in my opinion, the greatest rivalry in all of sports is in women's hockey with Team USA versus Team Canada. And it is top of mind because the Olympics just passed. So I do have to stick my leg out and say that. I knew that you were going to, Steph. The minute you guys were talking about those rivalries, I was like, Steph is going to say something about this. I love it. Um, okay, noted, and we've <laughs> alerted we've alerted the intern to make sure we, yeah uh, he adds that to the the proverbial list of best rivalries. Uh, I I still like Duke. I like Duke in this one. There, it seems like Coach K. It'd be fitting if he went out with a national championship. I'm going Duke as well. If you go back to Coach K's last game at Cameron, it was a couple weeks ago. I think everyone was excited and nervous for his last game. Duke invited like 100 former players back, and Duke just didn't play well. And I think it was just so much emotion, so much energy spent on what are we going to do, how are we going to perform in the last game that they didn't perform. So I think this time around – they want to get Coach K to that last game, and I believe they have a stronger team top to bottom because UNC only plays really five or six players. I think Duke's going to wear them out. I got Duke as well. What I love about March Madness in college sports, and even if you think about it in hockey, like junior level hockey, is the storylines and how you're seeing the beginning of something. And whenever I'm thinking about March Madness, I'm always seeing a documentary unfold before my eyes of like, with, with whether it's Coach K, whether it's like the beginning of these athletes' careers. So I think for the sake of the documentary, I want Coach K to end with with a win. So I'm going to have to say, say Duke for whoever's shooting the film footage of that so that they get a good ending. Also, as Toronto And then how Maple- quickly does... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go. You were going to mention the Maple Leafs. I, I'll be quiet. No, I was going to say, as Toronto Maple Leafs fans, Amazon... <laughs> <laughs> made tried to make this documentary basically of the of the leaf season and it was kind of during pseudo covid coming out of covid and everyone was like this is the year the leafs are finally going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs and then they didn't they ended off in <laughs> wah, the first wah, round wah. again beat out by the montreal canadians and that documentary series was pretty bad because of that. So thinking about it in the way that Seth is saying, I I really appreciate that. We like the storyline. So it's a, a just uh, majority that Duke is going to win it, and then the Netflix documentary special or HBO or whoever purchases right will come out two months later. 
Coach exactly. K. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Okay, win. Well, now on the other side, we've got Villanova and Kansas. So who, who's going to win on that game and then eventually lose to Duke? <laughs> eventually lose to Duke. Uh, I like, I really like Kansas. I, I, you can't say enough good things about that team. So I feel like that's an easy, potentially easy cop out a little bit here, but um, I'm taking it before anyone else says. Thinking about storyline, I also have to pick Kansas just because of that COVID 2020 cancellation for them. I, I do want that comeback for them to, you know, have the chance to come out and, and make it. So I know Ben is going to pick Kansas because his wife is from Kansas. And so therefore, if he doesn't, it will not be a happy next couple of days for Ben and his wife. <laughs> so therefore, I'm going Villanova. I was fortunate enough to go see Villanova play UCLA here in LA earlier in the year. I just love Connor Gillespie. I love what Jay Wright does. So I'm going upset. I'm going Villanova over Kansas. Storyline, Remy Morton from outcast to coming back, potential NCAA tournament MVP. He, he play, Remy Martin is the villain to Coach K's uh, mm-hmm. documentary. We'll, we'll see how <laughs> that plays out. I like that. We're writing the script. We got to get paid for this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, if we trans- transition to the women's Final Four, we've got South Carolina versus Louisville and Stanford versus UConn. Who do you guys like advancing to the finals? And then who do you like winning it all in the women's bracket? Okay, I'll go first. You you took it first. The game that I'm most excited for and the team I'm most excited to watch is UConn. So the Connecticut Huskies. But I do not think they're going to win it. I just love the way that that team plays together. And I think after all of the injuries and the year that they've had, it's really beautiful to see that team come together. But I do think that Stanford... Cardinals will take, or Cardinal, sorry, y'all, you guys got so many of the similar names down there, um, will take that one. They just seem a little bit more deep and polished, and I love Haley Jones. And then on the other side, like I said, South Carolina is going to take take that over the, the Louisville Cardinals, and then South Carolina is going to go on to win it all. I, I really hate making predictions because I feel like whatever I say doesn't happen, and so I almost feel like a curse for these teams whenever I make a prediction. K-wins are curse, so. You're not. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll balance each other out. <laughs> I like that stuff. For me, I agree on the South Carolina side of things. Aaliyah Boston is just lights out. I don't know who is able to defend her or play offense against her for that matter. So definitely South Carolina there. I do think they're going to make it all the way though and not win because it feels like they've just been the preseason number one then now they're the number one overall seed. They won a bunch of games in a row. It's almost like too good to be true. Similar, I guess, to UConn last year when they were upset earlier on in the tournament. It's kind of how I feel it's going to happen to them at the end. So definitely South Carolina. Same as Seth, though. Like, I I really enjoy watching UConn. Aaliyah Edwards, a Canadian, is on that team. So we definitely pay extra attention to her, especially because she's a starter. Kia Nurse played for UConn as well. So another kind of check mark there for Canadian talents. Um, I do think UConn is actually going to win the whole tournament. So that's where we are separate. Oh. I think when when you're talking about depth kind of in the men's tournament, I think 
think UConn has a lot of depth because Beckers and Azzy Fudd were out for so long that the team kind of had to figure things out without them. Um, but I think because of that, they're better for it. So I don't know. I'm saying UConn all the way now. Paige right, Beckers did UConn. scream that she's going home or shout that she's going home. So she has exactly. that side. Yeah. She's from Minnesota. Her and yeah. Jalen Suggs. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, I have a, two quick questions. Now, is it just all of Canada loves Northeast teams? Is that kind of the, like, what I'm sensing? No. It's UConn basketball, Patriots. Are we all <laughs> Bruins fans? No? No. Oh, no, no, no. no. That's, a, that's crossing the line. <laughs> Absolutely we don't do, not. We don't do Boston. Yeah. We don't do Boston. Okay, no. New England, I would say, like, Canadians cheer for Canadians on big sports teams. So it doesn't really necessarily equate to at least in college sports the college like side of things I would say for college like Michigan is huge at least in Ontario where we're from um, would be the key team the Buffalo Bills are key in the NFL um, and then otherwise we have our own teams but um, for for college definitely Michigan uh, maybe some some like Seattle stuff out west but yeah Otherwise, it's just where the Canadians We have some go. Canadians come down for Seahawks games every now and again. Mm-hmm. All right, back to the women's final four. I want to play out a plot line for you. You have Gino Ariema, probably the greatest coach in women's basketball history. You have Don Staley, who I believe is a phenomenal women's coach and has a pretty strong legacy at South Carolina. I could see those two playing in the final. And then Don overtaking Gino, and all of a sudden Gino's riding off here shortly and Don create or continues her legacy and somehow ellipses Gino on her way to the all-time wins record or something along those No? It could happen. She's getting paid a lot of money and Gino's been with UConn. We were just talking about this in, in our podcast um, and Gino's been with UConn since since 1985 so don Don has a long way to go to be able to do the same thing and she definitely has the legs to do it and if i was her with with that paycheck and that love that she has for the sport and the game i think she has the ability to but also like tara vanderveer like she she's the winningest on on the women's side so i think uh she she would be a target i think for don staley too we're a west coast pod and I cheer for West Coast teams. That's why I'm going Stanford over UConn, and then South Carolina will win, and Stanford will go back-to-back. They return oh, a wow. lot of players from their team, and they have Haley Jones, the difference maker. So I'm going Stanford Cardinal with the winner. Okay, question on the individual uh, player level within the women's final four. What uh... – what players have outside of maybe Beckers some potential to be WNBA stars? Mm. I mean, definitely Leah Boston, Elizabeth Williams in UConn uh, is expected to be kind of top 10 pick summer, even top five, top one, have her kind of listed there. Um, what I find really interesting about the, women's side especially in comparison to the men's side is that a lot of men you know one and done they or two and done they make it like their freshman year their sophomore year and then the best get out versus what we see on the women's side like we're talking about Haley Jones we're talking about Beckers we're talking about all these folks that we still have 
two or three years to continue to watch them, which was really cool. Um, I would also add Sedona Prince to that too. Um, Sedona is not in the final four, obviously. Uh, um, but I think that she, she would make a massive impact in the WNBA, especially because of her size. I want to give Louisville some love here. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say it's Paige Beckers, but I call her Paige Buckets because that's all she gets is buckets. <laughs> and Gina also went as far as to say before she even came on campus that he found the next Diana Taurasi. And it's looking a lot like that, the way she dominates the game at an early age. And if she can win this year and then go for the three-peat again, we might come back on again talking about Paige's three-peat versus Diana's three-peat. I love that quote. So Holly Rowe said that Gino said, I got the next Diana Taurasi. And she said she saw Paige in the parking lot. I was like, this, you know, gangly girl, your next Diana Taurasi. <laughs> I, just, I, I love that story. Sorry, I'm All just right, looking I got something real quick. My no, next I, question I, here. Oh, do you want to go ahead, Ben? No, go ahead. Sorry. So I was going to say, listen to your podcast. I actually found out this is the first year that the women's tournament had the first four play-in game. Like, I just assumed that everyone had it. But this is the first year, which is absurd, that they would limit it to the men's and not the women. So if you look at the uh, women's basketball in March Madness, what changes would you like to see happen for the president to continue to support and grow the women's basketball tournament? My mind immediately goes to the W. I know you asked about NCAA, but I we are talking about draft picks, and I just think we need more space. We need more teams in the WNBA. We have so much talent, and with the women's game in the NCAA, we love to say, or there's a storyline that, you know, um, it's always the same teams in, in the final and, and there's not so much breadth, but I think that uh, they're, they're proving that wrong this year. There, there's been upsets. Like we, there's so much to grow, but we need somewhere for those women to go. And so I would say perhaps maybe I'm going to skip NCAA and say we need more WNBA teams. Expansion draft. We need more teams. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say on the NCAA side, I mean, obviously great to have the final four this year. Great. The swag bags are finally normal. Great. The equipment <laughs> rooms. We actually have weights again, shout out to Sedona Prince for making all of that happen. And the NCAA actually doing an independent review with a law firm to have all of this happen. I would say this year, the viewership numbers are insane on the women's side. The value that sponsors are getting out of the women's tournament is actually 20% higher than what they're getting out of the men's tournament. But the valuation of the women's tournament by ESPN and co is just incredibly low. They actually package in the women's tournament with like hundreds of other championships. And so the NCAA's media rights deal with ESPN is coming up in 2024. And I think to me, that's the biggest thing that the NCAA, the basketball organization on the whole needs to do is to actually value the women's game the way that it deserves, make a lot of bang from selling those rights and then funnel it down to all of the athletes and the programs and actually promoting the women's game and marketing it in the exact same way that they do it with the men's game. You're right. Because a lot of the women's games aren't broadcast or televised or even promoted. Like, you know, when the men are playing, what time they're playing, 
who's going to be the next game? There's just not the same level of attention and support for the women's. No, there's really no. not. And it's, they, they'll air the games too. But then when you're watching sports center the next morning, they're not putting on the women's highlights until like 30 or 40 minutes into the show. Whereas the men's are opening the show. They're putting the men on the front page versus the women have a small photo, a couple pages in on the newspaper. Um, they're not above the fold on websites and things like that. So it's definitely getting better, but it's certainly not equal and it could be, and it should be based off of the talent that we see on the court. Now, Ellen, you just came or went, during one of your interviews, a lot of what I heard with your interview with Forbes is the idea of business opportunities opening up for women. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about NIL specific, specifically. Um, you mentioned Sedona Prince. She goes to Oregon. They were kind of the, the first university, I guess, and are the first university to offer a marketplace for any athlete to get sponsored. Mm -hmm. How do you see NIL evolving in women's sports and not just in basketball you know your traditional but also potentially your olympic sports as well mm -hmm. nil is going to be huge for college especially for leveling the playing field amongst female athletes bipoc athletes all of the above um we saw that Oregon set up their own kind of NIL platform and NFT platform, I believe as well. Adidas actually just made a massive launch that they want to have 50,000 athletes come on to their NIL platform as brand ambassadors and that the athletes would be paid kind of like traditional influencers, but that they would also be receiving a percentage of sales on the Adidas side of things too, which is really cool that they're going out and saying like, 50,000 athletes. I think what's interesting is that, especially for female athletes, not saying that men aren't interesting. So don't at me. I love, <laughs> I love male athletes too. I'm, I'm into all of it, but, um, women have so much going on, on and off the court and so many different interests and so many, uh, different kind of like personalities and sides of their character that a lot of brands are interested in, not just the athletic sponsorships, but the, apparel, the beauty, the wellness, healthcare, mental health, all of the above. And it makes them um, really unique people to be able to work with and getting in with college athletes now could make all the difference for some brands. So um, it, it really is just the beginning. And I think we're, we're seeing it with Paige for sure right now, but um, it's, it's going to be nuts within the next 10 years. And it'll be interesting to see how the NCAA, um, manages all of that. Um, Steph, I don't know if you have anything to add on to that. When you're talking, I, the first thing that I thought of is Subert and Glossier. Like there's so many, yeah. there's right. so much opportunity for these athletes for them to go. And when Ellen said, you don't at me, I, I love women, like female athletes because, I can relate to them so much more. And so I don't, I wouldn't necessarily go out and buy a product that was advertised to me from like Austin Matthews and Justin Bieber, which is a thing. But I just think there is so much opportunity. And Ellen talks about this all the time in terms of like, there's so much value. And I would love to see that grow for sure. Awesome. Great take. Well, it's definitely going to grow. And we definitely need to keep the conversation going so that more people hear about the problems and the challenges because a lot of it, I think people are ignorant of it, but you know, if we can use our voice and our platform to spread the word and get people talking about it, hopefully it will continue to grow and evolve. Can I ask one last question? Getting back to your, your comment around viewership, I think, you know, the tournament 
college basketball is probably the most viewed conglomerations uh, of games. What would you do with the TV rights uh, for the upcoming um, opportunity? I guess you have the, the thing we did with Pac-12 was look at streaming um, things like that. So give me your take on that, both Ellen and Stephanie. I would definitely shop them around for sure. Like other highest people. bidder. Yeah, highest bidder. Let's go. Um, we're seeing, you know, CBS and things like that get into the NWSL. We're also seeing Twitch come in as a massive platform in women's sports. Again, they're kind of on the NWSL side as well. Um, agree with you, though, too. There's tons of streaming opportunities, and there's also a ton of over-the-top opportunities, especially with so many folks having Rokus in their homes now and maybe watching NBC News now as opposed to NBC News and things like that. Um, but I would, I would shop them. I think that broadcast though is still necessary and imperative for women's sports. I think one of the biggest things and one of the issues with like NBA TV, WNBA TV, et cetera, is that it is like scheduled viewing and you're not going to get the passive sports fan who's just like, oh, what's on TV today? I'm going to go see what's on TV. And oh, there's a women's game. I've never watched women's basketball before. I landed on it. I love it you're going to get the passionate sports fans for the W you're not going to find someone who's going to stumble upon the W. And I think the product on court or on pitch or whatever is so good that you need it to be stumbleable for the folks that are already avid sports fans to find it and come to it on their own terms that they can also obsess over and love women's sports in the same way that they love men's sports. While I love streaming as a millennial because it's so accessible and I, I feel so few of my peers have cable, I am, mm. I, I'm probably one of very, very few. Something that I'm learning is, so y'all are on the West Coast, there is a bar opening that I'm super excited about um, in Portland called the Sports Bra. So it's a, it doesn't, it's not open yet, but it's um, a bar that's going to exclusively play women's sports. And so you can already see the challenges that are going to rise with that. And so something that I'm learning um, in the unfolding of the sports bar is the licensing rights that are different mm -hmm. for streaming versus commercial licensing rights for something like ESPN or, or TSN and the availability for bars to play it legally and like safely through all those channels so that you can get more of those passive fans that Ellen said. I think that's something that I had not even considered until I, I listened to the owner of the bar speak on a podcast recently about the challenges that she was facing with getting these games to play legally in her bar once it opens. And so I think that's something to keep in mind is so that you can get people who wouldn't necessarily, you know, click on it on their TV guide, but stumble into a place that's playing it or so that you can go to any bar and ask for it to be turned on and they right. have it. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a great well, point. If you, if you make it to the sports bra, let us know. We'll meet you in Portland. <laughs> well, we had a great time today. We're going to wrap up. Alan, Stephanie, thanks for coming on. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can check you guys out, listen to your podcast, subscribe to your newsletters and more? Yes, would love to. Would love everyone who's listening today to check out The Gist. You could find us at thegistsports.com and subscribe to our free four times weekly newsletter for sports news or a free three times weekly newsletter for sports business news on the women's side of sports. Um, the podcast that Steph and I co-host is called The Gist of It and it's available on any audio platforms. And finally, you could follow us on socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at The Gist USA or at The Gist. See yeah.
And we're on social media at WST underscore podcast, Twitter and Instagram. Big Ben and K-Win on TikTok. If you like cheesy seasoning versus ketchup seasoning on your popcorn, <laughs> please let us know. Thank you guys again. We had a blast. We'd love to have you come back on sometime in the future. Thanks so much Congrats for having us. It was success. a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. us. Congrats on everything. Thanks, Thank you. Have a good night.